jump into it. Yes, is it recording? We on? It is recording, yes. Ah, good, okay. Well, welcome then. Yes, this is Bertie. And this is Frenzy. And this is the podcast. The podcast. The podcast that we haven't named, I don't think. No, we never named it. No, so it still doesn't have a name. So, uh, Frenzy, how are you? I'm good. Would you like to tell the world about your amazing transformation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it, amazing. Uh, you know, I don't really go in for the totemistic kind of animal-avatar relationship. But Tell yeah, us about your spirit animal. The spirit animal. Tell me about your saga. But about my saga, for God's sake. Um, no, I, I, uh, like, I've been like a wolf for forever, so like I swapped a rat because rats are cooler. Um, in fairness, I don't, there's not really much of a, a sort of big guiding logic to it, uh, other than rats are really cool. I also used to keep them as pets as well. They so were more adorable. Of, and they are adorable is a much closer relationship to rats and stuff and I'm like oh hell you know I like rats better so we'll mm. go we'll go rat you know yeah do you think it's any kind of implication of some sort of subconscious change after having a character for uh, <laughs> for 17 18 years you decided to make a change do you think it reflects some sort of interchange Oh my god, what the heavy opening for a podcast. It's like, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think there's been, like, um, you know, uh, there's been some positive changes, I suppose, like, mm. in my life, the way, like, I kind of um, think about myself and the world around me. So, like, uh, I've sort of been picking up in, like, recent uh, in recent months and things. So, like, there is a possibility that, like, the, the rat change is kind of a manifestation of, like, um, some kind of, you know, provocative inner change you know positivity breathing in a <laughs> bring in a new era you know leaving behind the shade of the past and emerging yeah. rat-like to a new generation there, there, there was a study done into um your uh, online representation obviously being a relatively new phenomena and like just certain traits and likelihoods about the kind of way people present themselves and i think like i mean i recently well i say recently it's about four years back now I made the change to a pig and I do feel there is like there was a specific I now retrospectively look back at it and see kind of a specific kind of psychological shift and um so welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing about it, yeah, I mean, the thing about a pig is it works for you, I guess, is like, you know, the characters were always kind of this um, more one-to-one relationship, whereas the pig, I think, represents like, you know, you're not very piggish in real life. You're not, you're mm. not overweight, you know, you're not, you're not big, like stout and chunky and wide and things. Mm. But it's like, you know, people often don't look like their avatars, you know, I don't see many like 12 foot tall muscular dudes bouncing about either. Yeah. But I think the pig is like kind of just like a, con- like a confession to you yourself of like being comfortable like more comfortable with yourself and more comfortable with who you are yeah I think I think there's a lot of truth I kind of also feel there's almost like a, a stance to it as well which is um, is something I despise online is peacocking you know somebody whose character or their avatar or whatever is like um, is an intellectual or you know are like really like so good looking or so cool and I sort of very much resent that it's like uh, so I think I picked the pig character because it puts them at a very base le- level so it's like you know there's no expectation here I'm not trying to project anything other than the fact I'm not trying to project anything well although nonetheless you're still involved in projecting well that's what I said yeah. <laughs> Pre- uh, projecting that I don't want to project pretty deep huh <laughs> too deep for you <laughs> um, I'm no I, uh, I have more of a I think I have more um, uh, I'm more uh, accepting <laughs> than you just more than you just generally but um, like I mean um, it's not that I, no, I should, it's I sort should. of it's sort of like yeah it's sort of like when when your character is like incredibly hot looking but you you 
you are also like in like Mensa and then they tried to like yeah. survey your brain in a massive computer but you were so smart that you made the smart computer explode <laughs> and yeah. it's like well you know uh, you know you don't have to have five stats you know uh, you don't so have I was to have five say, and yeah. everything yeah you don't don't put all your stats up basically is the sh- long and short of it um and like you know, if you want to, if you want to say I like science, here's me in a science outfit, looking both nerdy and sciency, um, then you can. You know, I'm not not against that. I think that's fine. It's just whenever, but somebody comes in and they're just every all stats are, are top. They're both a great, really well read, great literature, but really good coding too. <laughs> yeah, as, as, some, as somebody who codes for a living, I think there's nothing less sexy than being into coding. I love this coding as a desirable trait. It's like whenever I've like, whenever I've like graced a game jam with my presence uh, as like the you know the comedy the comedy uh, artist that comes in. It's like the comedy like hu- humanities students say, "Well, this nerd won't go nowhere. The thing is going on about him," and you just sit down and they're all talking about like Pearl and Python uh, all sorts of snakes and all sorts of gems <laughs> like all the snakes and all the gems are I'm like, impressed oh, well, you know. I'm, I'm impressed Francie <laughs> what why why no I was just knowing about snakes and gems <laughs> snakes and gems <laughs> and they're just like talk, well this one this Python's great but you know Anaconda Oh no! No, you're off. No, you should, I know. You should stop there. No, you're no, Pearl and Python there. cake. I remember cake being discussed. Oh, like, cake openly. cake's a framework. Yeah. Cake. Oh no! Oh, it's a framework. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all right. Coming um, in here with your humanities, <laughs> pretending like that's, that's what humanities really is. It's it's the acquiring enough knowledge to lie into any other subject. That's what, that's what it really is. <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> in some ways, yeah. It's mm. like you, you you like uh the 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 advantage I guess of a humanities led education is you know it's uh you know benefits of a classical education. It's like R.I.P. Alan Rickman. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, this, the Hans Gruber says it's the benefits of a classical education. Mm. Um, um, but it's like, yeah, it just teaches you to kind of. You, you, you like looking at a little bit of everything. It's about being curious, yeah. I guess. But I wouldn't know about, like I wouldn't know anything about coding and things. But nonetheless, it's like coder is a desirable trade. It's like you know, what are you going to start doing? Like listing off strings of information. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> it's just that how you know just enough to be very wrong. <laughs> I know it's like the right level of ignorance. Um, yeah, but like it, it is. If you're thinking of writing a description for your character, and it's like a a made-up character and you put coding in as a sexy ability it's not sexy it's not supposed to be sexy don't put it in you're becoming Neil Breen uh, in any of his movies oh my god Neil Breen yeah. Neil Breen because yeah. Neil Breen's always always uh, Neil Breen's I'm, this I'm like, a world class hacker yeah there's this film I, I don't know I'll recommend it it is on YouTube there's like a, a couple of his films he's become a cult celebrity but he's got like um, what is his film called Fateful Findings is the first one that I saw and Double he also Down? has Double Down, Double Down yeah. and both Fateful Findings and Double Down is he, uh, the, in real life in real life this guy Neil Breen is like he's a uh, very very rich architect mm. uh, he's brought in loads of money from like his architect work so he just pays like to produce his own movies but in his own movies as the main character mm. he's like a super genius hacker yeah. in all of them he, in Fateful Findings he's both uh, a best selling author and the uh, greatest hacker yeah. in the world and in Double Down he's a soup he's a soup um, he's a bio Oh Chemist. yes, yes, he, yeah. He makes anthrax. Yeah, mm. he makes like anthrax bombs, like mm. uh, in all around America. Mm. So he's like he's a bioterrorist and a hacker. Yeah, uh, and and women are mad for him. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so awful. It's uh, I think it's Double Down where he has like a, an actress play his wife who's like half his age and she 
she's naked and she looks really uncomfortable. Well, she's in a bikini, but yeah, she's vis- she is visibly uncomfortable. I thought her boobs were out. No, no, oh, no, I don't think so. How how tacky? I thought, she was, tacky. I thought she was actually naked. Oddly enough, I don't think these kinds of things happen in the new, in the Breen oeuvre. <laughs> yes, um, uh, yes, of course. Uh, a motif that's uh, throughout his films is destroying laptops. Nothing yeah. for but contempt for laptops. <laughs> yeah, he's, there are lots of um, in in Fateful Findings. There's several scenes where he like trashes loads mm. of laptops. He's a great hacker, but they're never switched on. <laughs> yeah. And he's got loads of he's got loads of laptops, and he just mm. smashes laptops with the laptops. Yeah, it's, it's great. So if you're if you're in the mood, if you're uh, a connoisseur of trash, uh, give well, don't watch one of those films. They're actually quite boring, but there's plenty of like best moments online there's plenty of super cuts on YouTube yeah. of all the best bits and uh, of, of Neil Breen Neil Breenism but y- like yeah. they're uh, they're great films for like why you shouldn't have like a character that's good at everything yeah, yeah they bring it back yeah uh, very much worse than uh, Tommy Wiseau's but Tommy Wiseau's is like you can watch the whole film and still quite enjoy it I think whereas Neil Breen it's travesty yeah, the room has a lot of like real moments like mm. uh, in it, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, well, we did Christmas last time. So, how was your January? How was my January? Um, God, I don't even remember January. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happened in January? Well, it's just been uh, bad news, uh, celebrity deaths, celebrity deaths, and sort of like you know what what ideally. Mm. What ideally you want out of a January is that you at least want like really inclement weather so that you can <laughs> discuss the inclement weather. It's mm. like oh, it's particularly rainy, it's particularly cold, and even the weather has kind of mm. failed us by being just like a very chilly mild, yeah. but mediocre. <laughs> and it's like even the weather is like fe- like lunging towards mediocrity, uh, and we're left with very little. You know, we're we're, we're January is just it's left us with so little. Yeah, I mean it's been like you know extraordinarily mild, but uh, yeah, I mean, R.I.P. Uh, who's who's our selection of celebrities who've died this month? Oh uh, uh, well, it was Alan Rickman and David, David Bowie's Bowie. the one everyone cares about. Well, yeah. everyone's already kind of given their like tributes to them, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you know I don't think I've anything more to add to that. It's like uh, I like them both a great deal, and Bowie especially. I think everybody loves Bowie, and if you don't love Bowie, you will need to listen to more Bowie to love him. But yeah. uh, you know, but that's. Yeah, nah, let's not speak ill of the dead. I'm just, I uh, just wanted to, just saying that, like, you know, I love Lou. Not Lo, speak Lo's ill of the dead. What are they gonna do? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the best time. <laughs> what are they gonna do about it? You have lit- a cry. You're literally kicking them when they're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I suppose poor, poor sport, poor show, old man. Yeah. Poor show. Uh, of course, but, my my January, of course, is uh, uh, as I announced on the Patreon. Um, we're in a brief hiatus while working on other projects and trying to get a bit of money together to go back on the Patreon, <laughs> uh, which it seems a little counter. Like it must seem like uh, a bit strange. It's like, well, wait a minute, aren't we paying you? And it's like, well, sadly, it's not nearly enough to cover what I need. Um, so uh, just a little bit, like I mean, you don't worry if you're on the Patreon, you won't be paying a penny. But it's just a raise, just a little bit more money, just so I can get by. And then once I'm sort of secure, we'll back on the animations. Yeah, I mean, like, um, uh, we're just kind of at a period, like, where we're just, it's going to take us a couple of months to finish up Beast Lords, but it's been in development on and off for a good while now, about 18 months or so, I would say. No, 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 really? nowhere near as long as that. No. My goodness, I suppose. Mm. But nonetheless, it's like, we've been putting it together, and it's like, it's not going to take us forever to be done with it, but, yeah, I mean, we're, we're both, um, sort of, we're, uh, not that we mind, it's like, we can say we're struggling, to, you know, we're tr- trying to get by, mm. but every everybody is, you know, it's yeah. the nature of recession, we're not, like, uh, we're not, like, 
begging for more money in that sense but um you know we need we need enough to support us as well and mm. like whenever we return back you know we'll uh, we'll hopefully be able to get enough to kind of support um the animations going forward especially because like i think it's fair to say that uh, the last animation quality quality wank was like a uh, a real improvement as well <laughs> um, it was a real improvement from like the from the early days of the animation because like our voice we we had terrible like uh, the equipment audio equipment was terrible yeah yeah i think we can all admit like i mean there's teething problems with every project as well it's going to take some time yeah. and of course one of the things people always mention as well about your work in particular is like you know the comedy the comedy sex mix as yeah well. it's interesting i don't know like a lot of people are quite supportive of it and some people have said like i wish it was one or the other well actually no let's face it most people said i wish it was just porn which i appreciate you know it's just I, for me it's like there's gallons of porn like there is and it's just like you may as well have a bit of fun with it for me the stuff I always enjoy is like this sort of very wry stuff by Veronica and um that's it yeah <laughs> and, like, yeah. The, the stuff that's like a bit more sarcastic a wee bit tongue in cheek about it they know what it is and it's like so for me it's very much I, I enjoy making that stuff and maybe you know I'll make just some straight up porn too as well you know I just mix it up a wee bit but at the moment I, I just quite enjoy making little silly cartoons too um yeah i mean like uh like the the other alternative is of course like we you know we split split the work so that there's like um images and like short like sexy animations and yeah. then actually the main animation the main product is something that's more like just focused on the comedic um if you're listening to this podcast um let us know like write us comments and stuff we're always like waiting to hear back from our fans or listeners whatever like we really we are genuinely really interested in hearing back from you about anything so if you've got a comment about like what you think about like the comedy sex ratio or like what you'd like to see as well and things like let us know um yeah. let us know we will consider like everything you know we'll put it under thought and yeah. we'll, we'll see what we want to come up with in the direction that we want to take the work in yeah but i think like i think oh, certainly once we've like found a direction uh when we return back to animation we've found a direction mm -hmm. we want to settle on it's going to be a lot easier to kind of drive forward and really d like d deliver something for you guys as well that you yeah. really like i mean that's it like i mean we, we, were, only, we were only doing it for three months so far and we're yeah. still, still <laughs> learning you know um uh in some ways what this hiatus will give us a chance to do as well as like think about diversifying at, like the uh, per month model is fine for the moment because like as i say the hiatus is happening uh, not per month sorry the uh, per animation is good for the moment because like let's say we're on hiatus but uh one thing it doesn't allow is like any time to think about what we're doing <laughs> and so yeah. uh, that is one thing is like you know the hiatus is going to give us a chance to really say well how can we improve this and you know and if you guys do get back to us too and say you know well i like this or more of that sort of thing you know that'll only help as well and I realised as well before we started this podcast, we probably should have asked for people to send questions. But yeah, uh, yeah, we'll let's do that in future. But yeah, mm. again, future memo for like anyone that's listening, send in your questions, contact us, talk to us. Mm. Um, I think we've been kind of lax on the social media front. Maybe something we need to do. Maybe I should do. <laughs> like, uh, but we'll talk about like just uh, create a place where like people can like talk, get responses, just have a chat as well. Mm. I love. Uh, I mean m most of my work like whenever I've worked in a professional capacity generally my job has been uh, listen to people <laughs> and talk to them so like yeah. I'm always like I'm honestly really keen to talk to anybody like I'm pretty I'd say I'm a pretty, pretty friendly guy I would say he makes a face <laughs> what he fucking what he fucking said something about me <laughs> 
<laughs> what was it you said to me earlier, which is, I live for that look of utter contempt? <laughs> in context. <laughs> you know, when you take it out of context, it looks really bad. Yeah. And here you are trying to make me look like some kind of monster. <laughs> no, I'm fucking friendly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a special thing when you love somebody enough to, like, to hurt them. To, yeah, to, to <laughs> um, Bertie's still mad that, like, um, I, he, I will sometimes give him like steam keys as a like a nice oh, little gift. Oh, like a dick. You know, he's always been so nice, just sending me little, little, little like one-off things. Oh, here's a wee thing for you, Bertie, to play around with, and it's like a, like a little fun game. It's nice. And then he sends me a key today, and what's in it? What's in it, frenzy? What did you send me? A fucking Garfield cart. He sent me Garfield cart. He sent everyone a copy of fucking Garfield cart. <laughs> fucking monster. Um, I mean, really, that really just highlights your sheer ingratitude of becoming a kart racer. Uh, you know, a multiplayer kart racer that we can all play on PC together, and you just throw you, that away. You know, just to spite you, I'm really going to enjoy it, and I'm going to enjoy it so much, I'm going to make you play it with me. <laughs> I think if you Put started... away that Wii U frenzy, <laughs> I've got a great karting game. <laughs> Garfield kart. And it's... You know, you know. Well, maybe you'll surprise yourself, or maybe like it'll be the first manifestations of like uh, oppositional defiant disorder as you like grit your teeth, like you grit your teeth while you're playing Garfield Kart, convincing yourself that you love it. <laughs> you love Garfield I Kart. Love it. The entire roster of Garfield characters, from Garfield to John, Odie, Odie, yeah, Normal. Oh yeah, yeah, and then uh, the cat who's annoying. That's normal. I thought that was uh, John's girlfriend. No, normal's the kitten. Oh no. Oh, my knowledge of, Gar- of the Garfield. Someone's tag. not up to spec in his Garfield cart lore. <laughs> What's in the the Garfield verse? <laughs> There's got to be a better name. <laughs> the Garfield verse. Uh, uh, I have actually watched quite a lot of Garfield. I used no, to Garfield, Garfield and, friends. and friends. friends though. Yeah. No, no, and friends like no Orson. Well, of course, uh, what I don't know this, but I'm suspecting what it was. Somebody got the license and bolted on their own original product <laughs> to try to try to made in Unity. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Garfield and friends was great, except for the Garfield part. Um, Garfield friends minus Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, Orson's of course like going to be very identifiable, relatable for you. Orson. Oh, he's the pig. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the, the leader. Yeah, he was very cool. I did very much like him. Everybody likes Orson. You know what really creeped me out about it, though, was the little egg, Sheldon. Yeah, when he hatches. He hatches into another egg. Have yeah. I talked about this in the podcast before? We both, you brought it up <laughs> once, and then I agreed with you that it was really creepy because we both saw that cartoon as kids. Yeah, it must really like be buried in there deep if I'm bringing it up again. <laughs> they pick you up when you're down. Oh, I don't know the There's something inside. Or just take on through to the other side. Friends are someone you can open up to when you feel like you're ready to split. <laughs> no, that's the uh, <laughs> yeah, gone mad folks. <laughs> uh, the uh, I'm trying to put to piece together like the theme to the Garfield and Friends show that like I have like in the fragments of I've got Jeez. Garfield and Friends. Mm. Friends are someone you can open up to. And no, we're yeah, not doing really this. Um, oh no! Well, we'll might look it up later. <laughs> I'll see if I can remember. Insert clip here of Garfield and Friends music. Friends Put your feet on the ground. Brand new day. To give you a push on your way. Friends are there. To turn you around. Get your feet on the ground for a brand new day. The 
will kick you up when you're down. Help you swallow your pride. Yeah, so it's something like that, but yeah, Garfield Friends, and we'll have to revise that. Lorenzo Music, uh, what a great uh, voice actor as well. Yes, the man between... Oh, yeah, of course, everyone's pointed at this weird link where he... Where Lorenzo Music played Bill Murray in the real Ghostbusters. Yep. But then Bill Murray played Garfield in the movie. Who was voiced by Lorenzo, Lorenzo Music. Music. Yeah. yeah, so it's sort of like, yeah, weird, like the weird kind of parallels of like the Bill Murray-Lorenzo Music dynamic. Yeah. They're very similar. Anyway, yes, uh, I think we've lost the train in what we were originally talking about, which was... I we don't know, we were kind of like on a mad tirade between bad internet characters. I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about, although we've not really kind of discussed it like in, in big terms yet, was like, you know, thinking about like, if we were returning back to Patreon, maybe like, uh, not necessarily like a sitcom, there's there's plenty of like, there's plenty of like kind of furry style sitcoms. Oh, but like on. having recurring But having like character. a set of characters that we can develop and kind of make more relatable yeah. and things, but it's like, again, like we would like input on that if it would interest you, but like, yeah, well, like a series I'd... of like uh, some characters and, but it will take time to develop yeah, them. And I mean, interesting I have I have thought about this a little bit but it's kind of like at the moment I kind of like the sketch format of things but I do sort of want to like the problem is whenever you make characters like that aren't disposable they tend to be a little overly serious and it's like for, well that's a trap I fall into so trying to kind of you know, trying to create characters that actually like that are recurring, I think. But, you know... Yeah, it needs me to, like, crack the whip. It's like, because because <laughs> nothing for you is depressing enough. It's yeah. like, can we make it more depressed? No! It's perfectly depressing, as is. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't want to make it depressing, but it's like trying to make a character that's interesting and not cliched, I think, is, is the real challenge. It's like, you know, fur- furry and comics... Like characters in furry have existed for a long time. Two furry dudes on a sofa just playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call it two furry dudes it's just us for playing video games on a sofa nobody else plays video games no one else records themselves playing video games on a sofa we're, we're gonna we're gonna reach out and grab this new market before it develops <laughs> yeah. hey it's just us we're just a couple guys you know get some beer get some pizza talk about video games on the couch uh, what are we playing today we're playing Assassin's Creed which one I don't give a fuck uh, what, what, what about if we have jokes about the video games <laughs> a joke about a video game can you, can you do that I don't know it might not be allowed we had to consult the lawyers <laughs> get the frag girls on the blower the frag dolls get the frag dolls on the blower the frag dolls can we talk about can we talk about Ubisoft products <laughs> yeah oh man uh, oh I've got a chip in my shoulder there I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the uh, oxygen of attention <laughs> yeah well I wanted one of the frag dolls to find something you said you'd be like oh no they'll be like destro- destroyed Oh yes, they'll be listening right now and just raging at us. Raging, <laughs> and the the woman from uh, the uh, the American from Vids, she was awesome. Oh, Vids? No, no, not Vids. Vids, 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 Vids. They're both a group of people talking about a thing. One's from Scotland, one's from England. Yeah, but yeah, well, there was a there was a show uh, that Channel Four did about video games called Bits that was like pretty decent. But the the best was the uh, I can what? never remember her name, but oh, she was God, an American journalist yeah. uh, which wrote a lot about games. But now she was. She won't write about games anymore. She's a proper, like, she's a proper doctor. Like, uh, she's oh, really? a doctor in, like, language, I think. Uh, maybe oh, social linguistics or something. Last time I looked looked, uh, looked up, so she made, I think she's, like, in un- teaching in university or something. She's moved far beyond the remit of, oh, like, really talking about video games. Name, actually. Yeah. Her reviews were great, though. She was. She was. She was very good. She introduced me to Serious Sam back before, like, well, oddly enough, I somehow missed it. Um, but, yeah, she, she had a very good show and, like, you know, uh, knew what she was talking about. But because Channel 4 didn't have faith... 
that people would watch a show about video games they stuck into supermodels yes and then made skits yeah and, and it was clear the other two were like reading off a script or just making very wrong assumptions you know mm, she's a pretty good looking girl I bet the boys like her mm. <laughs> well you know um, a bit of flavour I guess but nonetheless yeah that she was she was always offering the reviews I bought uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance based on her, her recommendation oh. and it was a good decision uh, Dark Alliance not as deep as, uh, as the Baldur's Gate as Baldur's Gate <laughs> but nonetheless Dark Alliance is a lot of fun on the consoles the nice the condensed Diablo form on the on the Xbox yeah it ran really Xbox. high 60 frames a second as well one of the first games on the PlayStation 2 I think I saw do that yeah it was really slick yeah. it was a really slick game uh, she went on and did another show with a guy oh god this must be so boring to go on about <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah especially because you don't know her name yeah oh no sorry we'll, we'll move on but she she was very good but what's Violet Berlin up to these days do you think um, for some reason I just imagine she's like knee deep in Christianity for some reason no no I think she does tech podcasts everyone does the pod everyone's on the podcast everyone podcasting yeah it makes you wonder place. why you bother <laughs> uh, but I think she's um, Violet Berlin's doing podcasts I think does, does writing and stuff um, but yeah I know like bring back uh, bring back bad influence yeah <laughs> bring back oh man influence. there's the, oh, were you like me and just obsessed with the dinosaur versions of them I, yeah, I did I, like the dinosaur versions I remember versions them being the really well animated and then what, we watched the game recently and there's like four frames of them kind of jumping about <laughs> yeah well, then, then they like high five each other to form the letter A in bad influence as oh well. yes that's right yeah I mean I, I was a very delicate age and I wanted to be those dinosaurs so much yeah, I think we've. I, I was there. I was there too. Yeah, yeah, I felt the same way. Like watching Bad Influence, making sure not to, to catch the opening titles as well, where I would see that. Oh, and the yeah. info dump at the, the end. The info dump, yes. It's when you used to record like your show on VHS. You would use your frame hey, advance. Hey, yeah, hey kids, hey kids, do, do do your parents have VHSs that they enjoy? Well, stick a bit of cell tape over the uh, right protection, and that way you can ruin them forever by constantly pausing and re going frame by frame for your VHS, destroying them. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I definitely did that. I definitely destroyed the copy protection in a couple of videos but I can't remember what they were oh meet the parents oh well no one's there <laughs> copy protection yeah I felt that it meet was like meet the parents on VHS yeah well, you were a late adopter I know we were a late adopter it was a revolutionary act I feel <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, oh no it's like he's taped over um, he's taped over uh, meet, meet the parents mm -hmm. now we won't know how things work out between Ben, ben Stiller, Stiller and, and Robert De Niro Turner, yeah I wonder, I wonder if there was awkward tension between them. <laughs> uh, that was the first time where like a real schism like mm. occurred between me and my family was when like we got Meet the Parents and I thought it, I said it was trite. They're <laughs> like, what? How could you? This is the funniest movie we've ever seen. It's like, no, it's not funny. Oh, man. It's I just people having arguments. But Ben Stiller was so hot back then. <laughs> well, not fine hot. Well, just I mean like he was like comedy gold it was like anything he touched was great and then he was in that and I oh, wasn't very good was it you really opened on the big bucks didn't you it's like you opened up it's like do you think like do you think your avatar do you think your species changes like a manifestation like, <laughs> no like, we're like, like yeah no it's like, a, it's like a no. aren't these lukewarm comedy films of the early 2000s really weak <laughs> Um, well, I tell you what I have been watching recently, anyway. Yes, which is uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yes, uh, um, yeah, Bertie traditionally late to the party. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to <laughs> only watch animations from the eighties, which I missed. The first I time had round. Sherlock Holmes on DVD before I even met you. But no, you didn't, because then you had Meet the Fockers on VHS, or not Meet the Fockers, but Meet the Parents on VHS. So you didn't my have parents, a DVD my, back at that time. My parents caught in a trap. No, intellectually checkmated. <laughs> Take that. I will, I will explain this in greater detail. Mm. If you really must, I had a, <laughs> I, had a I had I got a DVD player for my sixteenth 
um, and it was like 200 200 pounds that's what they cost the PS2 hasn't come out yet either yeah it was pretty like it was pretty hefty price Mm. for it but it was a region free one as well first DVD I got region free uh, imported uh, Pokemon the first movie oh wow and Princess Mononoke wow what a double bill yeah that's pretty cool that's a great double bill everybody Uh, so yeah but did you import the Japanese version with all the violence still intact no, because the Japanese version, like, there was no dub, because the producers had obviously, like, wanted yeah, to yeah. cut away all the violence, there was no dubbed, or there was no subbed version of, like, the Japanese original. Mm. Well, the Japanese version is, like, it is actually, the Japanese version is pretty cool for, like, just Mewtwo, like, killing yeah. all the scientists in the lab at the start. It is a real shame, I mean, that stuff's so cool when you're that age, too. But yeah, so I, ha- I had a DVD player, but it was still, like, uh, the rental businesses hadn't caught up mm. so like the rental businesses were still dealing in VHS at that point so and it was also like you know it was considerably cheaper to rent VHS so my parents were still renting VHS's whereas like I was getting DVDs yeah. for myself at that point hmm. it's like you know all these all these kids now listening it's like no when was when was it ever bef- the before time the before the <laughs> DVD and then soon enough it'll be before optical media as well I know. It's like, if you look, listen to Granda over here talking about owning physical items yeah, like hunting down. I remember the day when I finally found a Razorhead on. Uh, I was like six, fifteen or so when I finally got a, like a video cassette of a Razorhead, mm. and I was like, God, I've been trying to get this movie for for, for years. You're so precocious, even yeah, back then. yeah. I really wanted to get a Razorhead, and yeah. I was so happy whenever I found it. Well, we must go beyond instrumentality and release the monsters from the id. Oh, um, Come on. Forbidden Planet. Yeah, yeah. About to, about to take away your nerd license yeah no um, <laughs> not that bad I can't actually remember the first DVD I bought now now that you mention it I know that one of the first VHS's I bought was The Matrix but I think I went on about that last time I missed The Matrix because I, I was put off by the hype pretty, but the hype was real pretty early on for me it was um, <laughs> I remember actually it was Pokemon the first movie Princess Mononoke uh, dropped it gorgeous. Okay. Uh, it's pretty good. And um, Perfect Blue as well. Perfect Blue? Ooh. Perfect Blue was brilliant. Yeah. Um, Actually, now that you mentioned, I think one of the first VHSs I, or sorry, DVDs I got was probably anime. I think either it was. Uh, it was Dark Myth. That's what it was. Well, you got Dark Myth? I got Dark Myth, yeah. Dark Back Myth in is the this... Shinjo period, uh, 2,000 <laughs> two years ago, she said this to me. You must have liked the Kikuchi clan, is always called Kikuchiko. It is a very old name. It is recorded as Kukuchiku of the country of Kuna in the Gishi Wajinden in the third century AD. Uh, Dark Myth is this really interesting OVA about like Japanese mythology, but it is basically a two-hour lecture <laughs> on like the history of uh, Japanese astronomical and astrological uh, devices yeah. for like two hours. Yeah, there's no, and there's and there's like a one minute bit where like the kid learning all this has like a laser sword and kills demons. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. It's but really like, violent, a lot of it actually, is like yeah. a lot of it is like this intensive like seminar on yeah. uh, on uh, on Japan Japan's like um, yeah. Astro- it's funny astrological history. I suppose I always sort of feel <laughs> this is going to sound like stupid, but I always feel um, creepy pastas always kind of have like. It has the feel of a creepy pasta, and that sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever said. But um, I, I kind of feel you. Yeah, but it's like about like uh, way creepy pastas work is obviously they take something that's known, but has like an element of something that's maybe a little inscrutable. And I sort of feel like it's the same. It's taking like a very broad concept like Shinto Buddhism, and then expanding it into like ancient uh, astrological notions and like death cults and stuff like that. And I sort of feel it's got the same sort of. Well, actually, I suppose what I'm really backwards saying is saying like that I think creepy pastas are kind of building on that early mysticism 
the kind of you know the the missing details of things are filled. Uh, yeah, well, you're giving me a look. I'm just not following. <laughs> okay, okay. I just went cross side there. I, th- I think maybe I'm just out on a limb there. I'm telling a story, a creepy story about uh, playing my cartridge of Mission Impossible N64, <laughs> and then Tom Cruise's faces start melting in the game, and then like his eyes turned into blood and ran down his face, and he started screaming, and then did, everyone did, did, started screaming, yeah. and then I got a headache and went to bed, it and then I had headaches. a dream about uh, about people like screaming and things, and then I I woke up and went to school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much it. There you go. It's always about. It's always the eyes. It's always the eyes, and then the yeah. screaming. The eyes, and then the screaming. Well, the eyes are in the window of the soul. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so I've been watching Sherlock Holmes, which, uh, if you don't know it, is actually an early Miyazaki uh, project, and as the name suggests, it's a dog version, an anime dog version of the Sherlock. You're Holmes explaining story. it. Everyone knows what it is. Oh, maybe I'm just filling it in for anybody who doesn't. Whereas I, enlightened, had it on DVD before I yeah, even met you. But it is, it's one of those things I always knew about and just kind of, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the. And it's magic, isn't it? It's magic. Yeah, and that's what, yeah, because the 80s is full of lots of cartoons and people like, you know, when the problem is people will give equal attention to something crap like He Man uh, as they will to something good like Sherlock Hound. So, I, you know, you tend to just kind of filter out the stuff you don't know and prioritise the stuff you do but da, I, so da, I just da, 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 do you mind? <laughs> Great theme tune, though. I don't give you a paper cut. That's ah. right. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, so yeah. On like uh, everything else from that era that like everyone talks about, this is actually really good. Um, beautiful animation, really sentimental, and it is. It's interesting to go back and see it because it's so much the prototype of everything that Miyazaki did later. I mean, Porco Rosso is like is just like is in the original um, Sherlock Hound. Like including an episode which has again all of uh, Miyazaki's airplane fetishism, and you know the real detail of like of early turn of the century. What was I trying to say like uh, machinery? Yeah, it's like it's really there. And Steampunk. Well, you know, there's a, there, there, there's a tiny touch of that, but there there is a little. Yeah, yeah. but um, it's like you know it, it is interesting to see because like. I don't know what Miyazaki did before this, but like it really is. Well, well, <laughs> uh, he worked on Lupin. He had a long story. Is he worked? Obviously, he worked on Lupin with um, Castle of Cagliostro, which his name is on. But he worked on the Lupin series before this. But he had his name taken off, and he worked on it anonymously because he didn't like he didn't like the Lupin Red Jacket Lupin stories. Hmm. Um, he also in the mid seventies did an anime about uh, Heidi. Oh, yes. which went on to become a huge international success mm. I think I don't know about like uh, Amer- America's kind of like the sort of access to these earlier anime I know that Heidi was very popular internationally I think Americans got uh, Huck Finn like there was an anime oh, version of Huck see. Finn I don't me as like it wasn't involved in that one but the Huck Finn was part of that series because the Japanese were do- doing um, I think Fuji was, was creating um, blocks of programming that were based on adaptations of famous children's well, literature well this is part of the well probably not it's probably too early but 
like the big international effort to it's sort of a yeah it was sort of the beginning of that kind of growth but Heidi was like um, Heidi was an interesting one because Miyazaki and Takahata were behind it mm. who went on to find Ghibli but um, yeah they said about Heidi it's like it's about a little girl that lives on a mountain with a grandfather it's like no child is going to give a shit about this and it's like mm. it actually turned out to have like insane viewership readings like with children like real popularity children in, in nearly any country that yeah. it was screened as well so so that was one of those was that was a, a real like crucial push for them mm. to move towards being independent because Panda Co Panda is their first independent production and then they form Ghibli in, yeah. the, in the 80s and uh, just just to, as a quick uh, precursor to what I was talking about is um, like in the 80s there was an international effort between like between Belgium France uh, Canada uh, Japan and probably some other nations Spain, in Spain uh, where there was just um, uh you know, a great partnership between all these different um, studios to produce very high quality animation. And one of the people, big names behind that was Gene Shalapan. And you probably might know from stuff like Ulysses or uh, Mysterious Cities of Gold. So just just to give, give you a bit of a background, this was like the era of like really good animation. This is like, you know, fuck off He-Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, this is an interesting one because I don't know how much exposure Americans got because we yeah. got we got all that stuff through the BBC because yeah. they were channel, channeling like the European links for that kind of programming that was going mm. out because France was getting a lot of it from Jean Jalapan and things as Jean Jalapan great producer of children's shows Inspector Gadget yeah. Ulysses 31 Jason the Wheel Warriors mm-hmm. the list goes on. This could be like I, I don't know if if, if we're, our podcast is responsible for anything good it, w- it would be this if, if like if you're from a nation or an age that maybe missed out on this brief international effort for like high quality animation, and if you haven't seen like really great stuff like the Mysterious Cities of Gold, uh, Ulysses, all the Willy Fog, Willy Fog, Fog uh, is my name, and I can take any command. That's well, what they sing. You don't know the words, do you? I don't know. <laughs> Fog is my name. Uh, so if you if you if you've been I mean, remiss, it's exactly right on time to go away. <laughs> so if if you if you've been I'm the one who made the bet And I know we'll be exactly right on time Fog is my name I like to play with my life In many ways That's what they say If you missed out on these And like you really are a fan of animation It's an absolute must That you must watch Anything but Gene Chalapan's name Is like been blown at you know, <laughs> Anything that has like Deke on the uh, at, at the end you know, yeah, that Doctanian and Willy Fog. Yeah, Doctanian, <laughs> Willy Fog, uh, Mysterious Cities Gold, uh, Ulysses Thirty One. Yeah, although Mysterious Cities uh, and Ulysses are like right at the top, like yeah, right at the yeah. top. I'm pretty uh, sure um, they probably made it to to America land. I don't know. I honestly well, don't if know. if they haven't and you're not aware of it, and you've never seen it. Absolutely, make it your homework to see them. That you are doing yourself a huge favor. Yeah, They're excellent. Um, yeah, mysterious. Both mysterious cities and Ulysses are superb. Mm. Like um, su- superb uh, mm. cartoons. Like uh, it was great growing up with them as well. Ulysses is like a fantastic one of the the best versions of the Odyssey I can think of. Which is like both both true to uh, both true to the story. Um, like a really solid adaptation of Homer's work, but also like um, like the sci-fi edge makes it really interesting. Mm. You know, you've got the big ships and laser swords and stuff like some of the best design yeah. coming out of Japan oh, in that period yeah oh, and France and France um, yeah. yeah French French Japanese co-production yeah have you seen um, uh, Inter- what is it called Intergalactic 7-7 whatever the, uh, oh, the Daft yeah. Punk movie Interstellar Interstellar it has very much that look to it it's gorgeous and it's so cool in every way that like that 
anime is cool. <laughs> of course, the other thing was it wasn't just for children's TV, but it was also huh? for airline entertainment as well, because the Japanese had lots of the Japanese had a tradition of having lots of bespoke entertainment that you could only see uh, bespoke entertainment that was exclusive to like airline flights and things. Because mm. Porco Rosso was originally intended uh, to be a thirty-minute airline yeah. special, mm. but uh, there was a lot of airline money. In I know Willy Fogg. Willy Fogg, yeah, there mm. was lots because it's a nice, like, a really pleasant theme of aviation because he's going in a balloon around the world, around mm. the world in eighty days. So uh, it's got this like pleasant connotation with it, but yeah it had like airline money uh, being thrown at it presumably so it was distributed on Spanish airlines as children's entertainment yeah. as well and probably as well to kind of plant the seed of uh, of seeing the world and that being a wonderful pursuit yeah. which, which it really did for me you know makes the world seem beautiful 80 days around the world to find a pot of gold to find it where the rainbows end I said in time. episode 1 that you're quite a good singer <laughs> <laughs> so what is this half-assed yeah I don't know you know uh, you know I'm not on form you know yeah. We're in podcast mode, not singing mode, but nonetheless, <laughs> like you know, uh, we've got um, yeah, but uh, yeah, those cartoons are great, and also just the theme tunes as well. Oh fucking yeah, fucking baller, Suki, yeah, Suki ass Levy. theme tunes, yeah. Shuki Levy, the fucking man who also did Mighty Morphin, I think as well. I also believe I he composed. I think he might have done. He done some Dragon Ball Z of all things. Yeah, he did uh, like lots of inter- incidentals for Dragon Ball Z, but not not wouldn't be the peak of his work. It was the difficult nineties transition yeah. when the soft synth went to the electric guitar. Yeah, it's like a uh, kind of. Sh- I don't. I actually. I actually think that's the one bit that's not Shuki Levy. I'm not sure. We'll find out. We'll do our research. Yeah, we've done some more fact checking. We're pretty. We're pretty spot. Spot. Well, no, it's just we have a wide range of topics. But the Inspector Gadget theme is Levy, and you can't do better than that. Yep. So good stuff. If only we had a two mics, could have done a little bit of pan. I knew him when he was called L'Inspecteur Gadget. <laughs> you did not, you fucking liar. No, I didn't. So people are raving about Zootopia, but you know, you could be watching uh, Willie Fogg instead and being caught up. Yeah. <laughs> Zootopia, the, it's like, I, it's so, it looks so lukewarm. Yeah. It looks so lukewarm. Well, and everyone's gonna go. <laughs> and well, I'm gonna go. <laughs> what's, what's interesting about it? Oh man, now that we're in our 30s, you know, it's gonna be more dodgy when we're just the only 30 year olds. I went to audience s- full of children. I went to see the dreadful SpongeBob sequel in a cinema full of kids. I'll do it again. When I went to the premiere, I went to the premiere, the local premiere in, uh, nor- in Northern Ireland, I went to the premiere of SpongeBob the movie which was I had basically gotten tickets through complaining at the management for the, of this like independent like movie hosting event because like uh, they didn't bring in a reel of Tokyo Godfathers and I only found out when I was oh, paid not... my ticket and had sat ready to watch Tokyo Godfathers I mean I love the director but that's not one of his best <laughs> really uh, yeah so I missed out on Tokyo Godfathers and um, they and they to, to placate me I was given tickets to the premiere what like, kind of compensation is that uh, you do you want to see like really like a very very uh, influential um... well they said what would it take to make you happy and I said I'd love to go to the Spongebob premiere <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then it was j- literally I had t- I got three hey t- Johnny we got a man child on the phone you're a Spongebob <laughs> so it was me and like uh, two friends you were were you no, there I you weren't there reason. sadly you weren't there We I had two tickets with friends and we turned up and it was just us uh, we were like uh, undergrads at the time we were like 18 and like ev- it was full and all of it was children from schools in their school uniforms as oh, well wow. just us and kids in school uniforms oh, and wow. there was actually Amongst the hens. Yeah, there was like a, there was actually a TV presenter, uh, John Daly. John Daly. He was a he's a Northern Irish like, but he, he was presenting shows for the BBC at that point. 
and he was there giving a speech and stuff so whenever he was like hey are you kids ready are you kids ready to see a bit of Spongebob and the kids like yeah Spongebob and we're on voices all the time we're on Spongebob you're fucking great fucking Spongebob <laughs> I just imagine like that's that's your version. I just imagine what really happens is SpongeBob fully <laughs> grown man in the background. Um you're killing me here. Uh, but yeah, he was like and he was taking him back and it's like me and my deepest voice SpongeBob Uh coming in among the other children, like all eager to see the movie. Jokes on it jokes on everyone, it was good. I know it was. I, I saw it a lot lot few years later few years later and yeah I did, I didn't really, I'm not a big fan of Spongebob but I thought it, the movie was quite fun we were in stitches at the uh, I Wanna Rock bit the, uh, with the Twisted Sister oh, yes. they get the Twisted Although, Sister honest, right at the end the joke I only remember most of all was just stalling stalling <laughs> <laughs> I'll get out of the way <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah I mean, Zootopia has very much been written like a pass by the entire furry community and uh and it does look pretty. Let's face it, Robin Hood's okay. Oh God, no, wait now, wait a second, pal. Wait, wait, just one minute. <laughs> That's the beginning of the controversial yeah, statement. It's the beginning of the controversial statement. Come on, man. I know, I know. Like, uh, shit. I've never remembered the name of the German guy that directed oh, Robin Hood, but it was one. One hundred and one Dalmatians was his other one that you which really loved. I do really love. Uh, he, this guy, this guy, Birdie's crazy, crazy about one hundred and one Dalmatians. It is good. It is. It's great. It's I think it was Sleeping Beauty, Robin Hood, like uh, one hundred and one Dalmatians, and Aristocats and oh. Jungle Book. Uh, well, Aristocats Jungle the too. weakest. Uh, Jungle Book's good too. And Winnie the Pooh can fuck off. Winnie the Pooh. That's kind of cruel to Winnie. It's <laughs> kind of cruel, you know. Yeah. It's like they just—they all need like I don't know. Uh, oh dear me. They—they they just they experience life differently. That's mm. that's the joke. Zootopia. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's it's. Um, so what I was going to say is like yeah you know everyone loves Robin Hood but they don't like it because it's a good film they like it because it's got furries and that's exactly what's happening here this is going to be just another I don't think Robin Hood was initially pitched when it came out going the furry demographic is going to be crazy Zootopia feels like that's exactly what the pitch was Zootopia does feel like I mean it knows what it's doing those Michigan furries will love this I don't know what accent that is Um, (laughs) what What the fuck was that (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Zootopia, Zootopia is just like it's. Uh, no, I won't say it's cynically made just to cash in and, and like. And, I might. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll go and see it, and it'll probably be mildly amusing. It'll be better than Over the Hedge, so I'll probably enjoy it enough. But like, considering although Over the Hedge, Christ, that was bad. Oh yeah, I know. But considering, like, at the moment, the amount of, like, CG cartoons, there's a lot of CG cartoons coming, but just to name some of the, a few that, like, actually have furries in them. So what's coming in the in 2016 is Norm of the North, Kung Fu Panda Free, Zootopia, Ratchet & Clank, Angry Birds, the movie. Now, these are all shitty CG Although I don't know that Angry Birds is furry bit, given they're all balls. Well, they're saying, just balls. I think Zootopia is the only one that's really very much deliberately what about that Chinese one about the dogs that want to be in a music band Rock Dogs I think was the plant name yeah uh, I think it is Rock Dogs Uh, it does look quite cool Uh, yeah I thought Rock Dogs pretty awesome actually yeah it's interesting because like Kung Fu Panda is like huge in China Bear and the Boy 
In fact, we could we could uh, I think it got I think it got a Blu-ray release. I think we could watch that. Oh, I'd like to see that. The bear, yeah, the bear and the boy. But yeah, I heard someone else like see it and describe it as just like just like the characters being obviously gay <laughs> for like a long period of time. Uh, I see. Like very much a kimono project with like a big burly bear as like one of the main characters. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it looks it looks adorable. Um, uh, Hardy, uh, friends, what's your reaction to Finding Dory? What's the one? What was that one though? Norm of the North. <laughs> it's the one about a, a polar bear. All oh, right, and it's a fish out of water comedy. I'm also my reaction. To, you know, I don't have a substantive reaction to find. It's more like the like continual decrease of Pixar in quality and what content. Do you, what do you think of Secret Life of Pets? What like cats and dogs? Yeah, the movie. What do you think of about Ice Age X? Ice Age X? <laughs> Just X? I don't know what sequel it is at now. <laughs> A new ex- a new new Ice Age. Is there a new Ice Age coming? Yes, there is. I liked the first one and never thought to watch the sequels. Um, what do you think of Storks? I went to a preview <laughs> screening. I went to a preview screening of Ice Age. Uh, Northern Ireland's interesting because we actually get used as a test market sometimes. So I got like I saw Ice Age as a teen like a couple of weeks before like uh, before it hit the states. We saw the Avengers a week before anywhere did. Oh, well, yeah, it was really was weird because yeah, like we yeah. were always used to growing up like Americans would get everything first, and like I was like I'd seen the Avengers and I thought like I'm gonna hear about like all, all the Americans talking about it, and it's like no, I'm logging on to like the usual like furry place. Everyone's like going God, I can't wait to the Avengers comes out it's like I've already seen it have you not (laughs) so it was like we found out that way so it's like we but yeah I got like a I got to go to a preview screening of Ice Age got a little Ice Age um, I've got Ice Age writing paper of like shaped in the cougar character Uh, oh cougar not cougar but the the saber tooth and uh, also a little radio a little oh, AM yeah, FM radio of the Sabertooth Tigers. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. But I do have like. Uh, but I got a little AM FM radio with the Ice Age branding on it. Really? Yeah, oh, that's cool. I got it just for. It was like three pounds in to see the movie. Your quality in those days. Oh. Um, but yeah, I went and saw it and like got all this all this shit for seeing it. But like I remember Ice Age quite fondly because of the free shit that I got. <laughs> but also I thought it was pretty decent at the time. So they're working on another Ice Age then. Yes. What do you think of Sparks? What sparks? <laughs> They're all CGI animations for kids featuring anthropomorphic animals. Well, what what kind of anthropomorphic animals? This important. What's the story about in all this data mining you've done? What's the story? It's about CGI animated characters <laughs> hanging about. Mm. Sparks. Sparks. Oh, who cares? It's probably about soccer or something. You don't know anything. <laughs> would you Would you have researched this? I did and didn't. I I, I researched it as much as I wanted to. <laughs> So yes, Ratchet and Clank the movie as well. So that's interesting. I never I played I played the first one and I thought it was okay. I played the second one, I thought it was all right. I, I, I pretty enjoyable and again nice sixty frames the second game, but you know it's a, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, that's all I can really say about it. I never thought it was especially funny that it deserved its own movie, but then Sonic Boom got its own TV series, which is like set in a weird kind of bleak, empty world where characters just sit and quip at each other. Yeah, it's quite depressing looking, and it's like uh, Ghibli's gone now, or seems to be ri- rumored to be gone after when Marty I think was he's there. Probably gone. It's her grandmother. She did this last time. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's hardly a spoiler. It's so obvious. Um, Finding Dory. I just Pixar suck. They suck. 
they really suck and they've been doing a good job of covering it up for a while but mm. now they just really suck and it's like uh, there's been a lot of change management a lot of like headhunting a lot of the people involved have headed off and gone elsewhere like Brad they don't have Brad Bird anymore yeah. who of course was like a great writer in The Simpsons before like he ever went on to like Pixar and then, to do The Incredibles of course which was his like eco project mm. it's like if Brad Bird's not I know Incredibles 2 is being made but if Brad Bird's not involved I'm not confident yeah. it'll turn into a good product and it, to be honest the, the first one was good enough yeah. it's really the problem also with Incredibles 2 is if you frame it it's like okay so they're already like a tight and happy family that like they've they sorted out all their problems and they've sorted out their superpowers they're going to be superheroes together so it's like you know where do you move on from that it's like you know then they'll ha- the family will have to break apart again due to puberty or something Black like, some, like some, some stupid external <laughs> force yes um, Chinese Chucky <laughs> <laughs> yeah I saw Inside Out I saw him said Inside Story there I've got Bowser I thought it mind. was so boring I you, you haven't seen it I saw the first half hour you saw the first half I stopped hour. after half an hour in don't get me on it man I did watch that half hour mm. and I was like okay I'm ready mm. I mean I've sort of subdued myself enough to watch a Pixar movie you know but what? it was boring I know a lot of people love it and you know what the worst part about it is it's like it makes me think that the bit where I cri- whenever I cried at Toy Story 3 I was being manipulated by money men because it feels very much like they've got that down as like a formula they could just pour on their cartoons. Let's get the, let's get the tear jerking bit for the adults in the audience. Yeah, <laughs> let's just turn that up. Well, and well, brah. You know, uh, any any emotion experienced authentically is being expressed authentically, no matter the source. <laughs> That's true. But uh, yeah, you don't you don't you don't want your memories uh, recontextualized. Let's be proud of your emotions, brah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there are two forces in the world. I think there's like, a, a, like there's the the ability to change what you previously understood, and I think it's like it's the most powerful force in drama. Yeah. And I think that can work both ways, where you can go back and make you reconsider something for the better, and you can go back and reconsider something for the worse. And I think that's what Inside Story, Inside Out was for me, was making me think that like, have they just been? Have they been tricking me all along? <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, because it's refined. It's like it's the emotional turns, like refined to sharp point. Yeah, <laughs> it's like whenever I saw the first half hour of it, I felt like I'd seen the whole thing. It was like I'd seen the the way it was laid out for me, and it was just like I, I really am not like I I also I just thought it was ugly as well. Uh, yeah, I just I didn't like the colors. I didn't like like I didn't I'm, like the way anything was being framed as such and like uh, such as you can. Okay, I, I don't know. I found myself becoming an old man, really looking, really looking back and loving all the really high concept. You know, I was the people uh, like a lot of designers and concept artists and stuff were really at the top of their game back in the eighties and seventies, and like so much. So it's like either between really picturesque or really far out, and like I find modern stuff is just you know aren't these colors nice and they just sort of just glob color everywhere and i sort of feel inside out was a wee bit of a victim of that yeah and the characters are very amorphous in their shapes as well they're all kind of largely amorphous they don't, yeah. they don't feel very defined and it's like maybe they shouldn't be defined as, as emotions nonetheless but still mm. it like it didn't make them strong characters in the sense that they the angry one is a square a red uh, square that's mad i thought the designs for the characters were okay actually i didn't, I didn't mind that but um yeah, just just the world design itself was like you know as a representation of someone's mind was maybe a little bit boring, you know. Where's all that crazy sort of four dimensional stuff we got in like the labyrinth, for instance? Yeah, it's like uh, you know things were like. Oh yeah, when they're in the Escher painting, yeah. you see with all the stairs like kind of being up and down. Yeah, and it was <laughs> going like, up the stairs, go to the stairs, go up the sideways stairs. You know, because <laughs> not only does that stuff look cool, but then like if you're if you if you're like a classy, sophisticated guy like I am, <laughs> <laughs> you can go. Oh, I know what that is. And yeah, I feel like like they just 
they don't they don't do as much interesting referencing or anything anymore yeah watching like um, w- watching arty movies like hand in your junk <laughs> <laughs> scratching your nuts while contemplating mm, that's deep mm, <laughs> so deep <laughs> uh, deep and provocative cinema of the arts indeed indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, but yeah nonetheless it's like uh, yeah uh, it just it just seemed like I, I just I felt that I'd been there before with Inside Out and that it was putting all the emotions on the table all the time which of course it is literally doing but that's the problem it's like just emotions always yeah it is it's a little bit shortcut to uh, to actual drama just to anthropomorphize emotions in some ways yeah I mean there's what's called like I mean um, you know there's there's sort of a process of desensitization when people think about desensitization they think about like you know if you see lots of violence mm. like uh, the idea is you desensitize to it but there's also an experience in it like watching a movie is that horror films especially there's a lot of horror films that get edited because of this where like if a horror movie is like too awful Mm. if it's too awful there'll be a point at which the audience will switch off Mm. it's like it basically gets past a point where like denial almost seems to kick in Mm. you become aware that it's just a movie and you kind of separate yourself from the violence and it doesn't so it doesn't bother you anymore it's like there's a feeling of the rubber band like when there's a point to which it snaps and then you lose your engagement with an idea and you spack off from it but that's also I feel is my case of experience watching Inside Out when it's being so emotional mm. that it's not allowing me to have an imprint of emotion on the film it's it's uh, doing all the work for me <laughs> so it's like I'm not I, I desensitize and I like lapse out of it so when something really emotional is happening like I'm cold and distant because it hasn't built up to it it's been emotional the whole way yeah so, I, know, I know what you're saying yeah I mean it still felt very much follows the two act stru- free act structure with a you know with the emotional highs and lows but yeah it's kind of like the problem is whenever it takes you out of, it takes you out of the film when you give emotions emotions and they're like well as well it makes the girl who the emotions are attached to seem like a robot and then it makes the emotions themselves feel inauthentic yeah like it's like you're watching a machine go or something um yes yeah, so speaking of uh, of, uh, of animation uh, the I only found out about this recently but this was like announced what five years ago the uh, the Incal was getting I'm probably saying that wrong it's a French word Incal I, know, I don't know but I don't know uh, the correct pronunciation had a uh, sort of mock-up of uh, animation for it and I only saw the trailer for it recently it was just it was basically a student project I just want to put it out there alright okay so it wasn't ever anything it wasn't a pitch it wasn't anything they were hoping that it might transpire into something but I believe Sony I believe well someone owns the rights to Incal because um the director of Drive, uh, Winding Nicholas Winding Refn, uh, Refn was going to direct. Uh, well, announced in 2013 that he was going to direct a version of Incal, mm. um, which didn't happen. To explain what Incal is, it's um, written by uh, Jean Hal- Girard, also known as Mobius. No, it was written by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Oh, it's written by Jodorowsky. Right. Yeah, and uh, it was drawn by Mobius. So you know that's pretty close to a dream team project, but uh, um, because it came out in France, you know. <laughs> disappears in, into the mire of high quality uh, that they constantly produce um, and yeah they find out that, uh, that your fella Winding Refn was making a movie of it was kind of exciting to me and um, unfortunately there hasn't been any news about it since I don't think it's actually going to happen after it was announced because it was announced in 2013 there's been no movement on it and like people have moved on to the project it's like doing other things it now. feels like the Akira uh, adaptation which is just like you know, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea. Who the hell is going to put the money for it up? You know, yeah, we think we got a great idea and we've signed all the rights for it. Now we just need the money. 
where's that gonna come from <laughs> yeah I mean uh, yeah I mean I remember meeting someone once that like had gone to the had gone to the audition mm. of Akira and they were like you know they were like waiting for the call to like you know they, they, they did really well in the oh, audition yes, so like yeah. oh I'm gonna be in the Akira live action this was about four years ago and Listen, I said it's never gonna happen anybody from Northern Ireland give up your acting dreams <laughs> nobody wants to hear your stupid fucking accent on their film it takes them immediately out of it and makes them go what? What did he say? Yeah, people, uh, our, our our accents never go down very well no. anywhere. But yeah, that's why we're that's why we 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 are like we are Game of Thrones. The background <laughs> yeah. we are every every face in Game of Thrones that isn't a main actor. Mm. But you will never hear us speak. Yeah. <laughs> we are forbidden from speaking from shedding except our except for that accent. one guy. Yeah, King yeah. of the North. King of the North in uh, see, season one. One guy from Northern Ireland got a line. Never again. They were just like, no, geez, that was an experiment. Never again. That went completely wrong. So no, we're completely written out of cinema uh, history with the exception of Liam Nielsen. And also, the there's one Northern Irish guy in Prometheus. He's the security guard. He's the leader of the security team. Oh, and he's like he has like one line of dialogue. Well, nice of a fellow Brit to patronise us with one line of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a fellow Brit. God, what has happened to me? <laughs> you've lost your ways. I know. And to think this is 1916, the hundred years after 1916. <laughs> yeah, actually, I forgot about that. Chuck your lot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm sure there. I've counterbalanced it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was I was going to ask because the trailer I saw from 2011 that that is nothing as you just say as a student project was like basically a motion comic and I wanted to ask your opinion of motion comics in general. Uh no, you've got me in a bad place because like um like if uh, I don't want to speak too badly about motion comics because I have a friend that did a PhD in motion comics and mm. he's like uh, he's really invested in a great guy as well mm. and has a lot to say about them he thinks it's the development of in a kind of exciting sort of an exciting new medium um, mm. the low there's a low production cost involved mm. which means you can just take uh, like the assets animate them together have a voiceover and you can pretty much present a product mm. and what that's done is it's allowed like more kind of niche and marginal things to become comic motion comic adaptations famously I think um, um there was um, an American television channel um, that did a comic motion comic series based on Black Panther, and it's like Black Panther's not a big canon Marvel character, but mm. because it was a motion comic, it was allowed you could make a whole series out of it basically, and it could be affordable and like a good project as well to look over. So like motion comics in that sense of being like an e an economic mm. decision are really good. If you're asking me personally about motion comics, like I. I find them really hard to engage with because like s sometimes comics are pretty cool and sometimes animation is really cool but fusing them together is an uneasy relationship I think maybe if it develops more mm. we might we might see it but like I'm generally not keen on kind of like you know comic for comics like the stasis is important because it conveys passage of motion and um, motion and time in between the frames mm. it already compensates in a sense for not being animated by the by the way that it's drawn and represented on the page mm. and if you take that and then start moving it into a visual medium you have the debts in a sense or the expectations of the visual medium as well mm. leaning down on top of it so you have to therefore like think about how the voice acting is going to work how the direction is going to work in a sense how you convey motion although so adaptation has always been trick in any shift in medium oh absolutely so I mean, motion comics aren't especially burdened by that. 
Well, it's just like, I mean, I'm basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is I haven't seen an end product that mm. I'm particularly excited, uh, excited about. The Max is... I was going to say, um, I was, I was, I was going to rip you off know, you with saying uh, that the Max is not really much of an animation. I used to talk to, <laughs> I used to talk to the guy in particular about, like, the Max, but funnily enough, he said that he didn't classify it broadly as being a motion comic, mainly because it's very early to the scene, mm. as a, but also that it's, like, too animated to be a motion comic. It does comic. have some um, actual frame-by-frame frame animation. Some. Um, the, the Max was fantastic. Was. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, uh, and it did, again, the the argument for motion comics is, like, these really niche things getting made, and the Max, like, you know, it doesn't get more niche than, like, looking at, like, you know, the psychology of abuse. Um, mm. Like, characters both in abusive, have been abused, like, by their parents, have been abused sexually. Abused and, like, by society. Abused by society. These mm. really, so it's this really sad story about these fragmented people, but here's the Max coming in to kind of, like, represent it in kind of a way that's really, like, tactile. You can really feel mm. it, mm. and it's, like, kind of see how the characters like grow and understand like how they move past the shadow of this abuse that's mm. great yeah. that's brilliant that's the max fun. If, the, if motion comics allows for that kind of thing I'm all for it it's just like I guess like I mean I suppose from a snobby perspective like an aesthetic perspective I'm still not there seeing the, the shining qualities of it as, an, as a visual as a, as, a, as, a, as a product to entertain the eyes you yeah know? I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't give up on, on it so much I, no. mean, I must admit I haven't seen a good motion comic at least one that's defined as a motion comic like I say the max is excellent um, but it is kind of in a grey area whether it is or not uh, a motion comic that is but uh, I have seen like some Marvel motion comics obviously the big studios are the ones that can afford yeah. to make these things and they're well again I've got another controversial opinion but uh, is that like Marvel is 90% track yeah. you know, I, I, like, I don't want to say superheroes are bad but there's not really a whole lot you can say with them that hasn't been said so it's just generally just a bunch of guys and mild fantasy peril over and over again and like so you know then whenever they start speaking out loud you realise how dumb it is the movies do a lot to reduce how dumb comics are <laughs> um, by basically pushing it on to the inter like the, the human element of it but like a lot of comics don't like the human element of it is like always terrible because they're they're big they're big moments to kind of shock you into buying it you know uh um, the killing joke is like, oh my god, Batgirl gets shot. Spoiler alert, by the way. Um, <laughs> the death of Superman by Doomsday. You know, they're these huge, big. You know, they're not human. They're they're cynical, corporate moves, and like that element of like, you know, it's in every pro- uh, most big products of entertainment. But in comic books, it's like, it's so heightened because you know, like comic books. If I said anything about um, adaptation of comic books, is that like they do have a hyper realistic are yeah they're they're hyper real and so that way you can't don't translate outside of the comics because the moment those you hear those lines of dialogue spoken by a human being it's terrible but I, d- I do think as a concept as for low cost quite niche animation you know I really think they could do something cool it's just the comics need to be cool <laughs> Well, there's plenty of cool comics. It's just they're not the ones getting the adaptations, like the kind of stuff I guess that we'd like to see, like Legion of Doom and <laughs> yeah, ne- uh, Warlock, Nemesis the Warlock, Nemesis the Warlock, yeah, um, Swamp Alan Moore Swamp Thing. <laughs> you know, I've never read it. Uh, it's brilliant. Mm. So it's like, um, I mean, it's just, but yeah, that's all being bypassed for like this kind of. Um, 
like just well like reflecting on like the big heroes mm. and it, it does get very tiring to like you know how many more origin stories do I have to look at yeah you know it's like Ant-Man is you know it's like this kind of field cat burglar that then becomes like a super good guy with this oh. changey size suit and it's like but like Iron Man was already kind of the flawed like this flawed character that then gets into big suit um, and then parades around flawed forever. character with big destiny yeah. yeah so it's like um, I think we're just kind of tired of of that as well but like Marvel have decided like the last like Marvel announcements like we've got entertainment until 2020 it's like <laughs> even Star Wars I think we talked about Star Wars in the last one or did we at all I don't know, which of course I liked I, yeah, I liked I it and I liked a lot no I saw we didn't the last one was before Christmas uh, right, well Force Awakens like I saw it uh, I've seen it twice a whole two oh. times in the cinema mm. and it was like yeah I like this I really do but of course even it's got like kind of that daunting thing hanging over it well good good thing you like it because now the Star Wars movies until 2020 yeah and you're like oh Oh God! <laughs> as well, it's always the fear. Is 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 this the best food forward? When are the Ewoks coming in? I hope this isn't the strongest of them. As much as I liked it, you know, I I think most of us, you know, it is, it's really good. Let's not beat around the bush. This new Star Wars was actually very good, but uh, it's like it's good, but it's not it's not interesting. Is that is that fair? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it's sort of like it. It does. It, I think it did the best that it possibly mm. could with the impossible task of making a Star Wars movie that most people will like. Yeah. You know, to to like bring like to to bring in old fans to keep new fans, or sorry, keep old fans, bring in new fans. It's mm. like, um, I think it did a, as a successful a job as you could possibly imagine For unifying the audience. Yeah, mm. and it was like you know, uh, it's not it's not an enviable task, and like a lot of that for film is a lot of legwork as well trying to get you to quickly kind of see that this is a new this is new but it's also Star Wars yeah. and that's such a difficult thing to do and they did it like as well as you could possibly expect them to now that it'll the problem is of course now there's a lot of burden on the sequels to maintain the quality that was indicated with the first one and as they switch directors on and off yeah, and as they well, that happened with the original off. trilogy. It did, well. as, yeah, because Empire Strikes Back is fucking brilliant, and Lucas had m- marginal influence yeah. on it. Um, and then he came back for Jedi, and then fucked it all up. Yeah, so it's like that's um, that's my biggest fear about the franchise going forward is um, is that you know it will be more of that, more more of the Force Awakens, which while good, isn't very exciting. You know, there won't be an Empire, which is like a real like you know. This is everything you know, but it's so much bigger and interesting, and like you know, it looks gorgeous, and the, you know, Darth Vader is Luke's father, and spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you want, if you want, like, kind of a, a problem with Force Awakens, it's that the First Order are kind of disconnected in a way from the narrative because when you see the larger kind of you know when you see the Nazi speech being in the Riefenstahl thing where like he's giving a speech on a podium mm. to like thousands of people it is literally really remote because they're mm. doing it from a remote place that they fire off their cannon but as a result it means as a force they feel quite nebulous they don't feel rooted yeah. in anything you know the Death Star was, it was, it was easy in a sense like it's a, it was the 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 power of the Empire mm. with the New Order it's like they, they're very good at blowing up planets but it's like where do they sit in relation to the rest of the galaxy mm. which is not 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 particularly well kind of defined that said you know it was a lot better than having them spend an hour setting them up mm. you know setting up the splinter group as it were that are now doing the work of the fallen empire mm. so it's but it's like nonetheless they they're very disconnected from the rest of the narrative do you feel they maybe like breezed over the mega star I don't know what it's called the bigger death star blowing up all the uh, all the republic 
planets is like kind of glossed over. <laughs> yeah, it's it like, is kind of like wow, they just like killed like everybody. Yeah, everyone's dead. Yeah, and it's kind of like, uh, it's like oh no, that, uh, that that's pretty bad. But you know, we're still going to fly into the trench and blow it up, like, and you know, we'll have we celebration at the end. Billions are dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they did leave that out. Yeah, you know, uh, you got to wonder, like, you know, uh, they didn't we're, want you to feel too. They didn't want you to worry too much about it. Yeah, I that is true. <laughs> it's just like the structure of it. It's like, oh, it's just a thing that happened. Yeah, don't worry, it's an adventure. You're still gonna have fun. Billions are dead. <laughs> <laughs> not just not just Alderaan, but four planets, four <laughs> times as sad as Alderaan. Maybe it was a reference back to the original trilogy. Whenever uh, Leia's planet gets blown up, and her reaction is. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Frenzy, what what topics have you got for us? Yeah, well, I mean, I was gonna follow up on your like dynamite opening <clears throat> podcast, dynamite. Oh yes, uh, I I just have Digimon versus Pokemon. <laughs> Digimon versus Pokemon. Pokemon. Okay. Uh, I don't even have anything to say about that. Uh, one's for the cool kids, one's for uh, sissy facts. Ooh, <laughs> no, remind your language, <laughs> Mister. <laughs> What is what is this? What is this animosity? <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that to be honest. I never really watched Digimon. I, I I tried watching, but it always like every episode was like a part of a larger continuity. And let's face it, those names aren't very child friendly, and not in the sense that they're perverse or something. I mean, just in the sense that like, you know, War Greymon has evolved into Hyper War Greymon. It's like not something kids just say in the schoolyard, is it? Well, well, I mean, like Bulbasaur, Venusaur. It's yeah, like he's a bulb. He's a dinosaur. Bulbasaur. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, with Digimon, like you've got like I suppose that they yeah, it's a different like there's a taxonomy for the characters, so there's like Mega and then Black or whatever else is kind of like new suffixes. It's all suffixes and prefixes on the original name, yeah, which is like makes it easier, but also like if the main name isn't like it doesn't have an identifying concept, it's like yeah, uh, what where do where do you go with it? It's kind of like yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm an outsider to Digimon, so feel free to tell me I'm a fool and should shut up about Digimon. Everyone likes Leomon in Digi- in the third season of I Digimon. I couldn't believe it because my friend uh, used to collect Digimon cards and I was like kind of just idly browsing through them and I hit Leomon and I just kind of stopped and went Whoa. Well I was actually I was like is this allowed? <laughs> <laughs> is this allowed? <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like my internet made it into real life and I was freaked out. <laughs> yeah Leomon you see like Digimon like have you know have eye catching numbers there certainly uh, War Greymon uh, War Greymon being a good one as well. Uh, XVmon possibly as well. See, this is the problem. Yeah. Who are these people? Yeah. Leomon, that's okay. He's a monster and he's a lion. Leomon. I get that. No, what, what the hell is Vmon or whatever it is you just said? Vmon's the blue one. The little blue dragon one. The one Gilmon with as well. Gilmon's, Gilmon's the red one. The stripey red oh, the one. one I... You'll have seen pictures of Yeah, Gilmon. I said to a friend the other day, I was like, you know, I can't like him anymore because I've seen so many pictures of his asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Too many pictures of your butthole. Yeah. Um, in- including some studio quality animation of him as well. Just spreading his asshole and having, I guess, a child come on him. It's kind of a bit strange. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for describing that. <laughs> so who is... Did you see that blue one? one Femon's like the blue one. Is that like, the one, little, like the bunny ears? Yeah, a little tiny. Little well, hair ears, I suppose. Little bunny ears, I guess. Yeah. I he's s- like a blue l- dinosaur. Yeah, he's cute. Yeah. Uh, so, t- like, I, 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 I'll, I, I can sing the praises of Pokemon. You know, it's, 
It's You've ne- have you never watched Digimon? I've watched, like I say, a couple of episodes, but couldn't tell what was happening. Digimon, digital monsters, Digimon are the champions. champions. Yeah? Yeah, well, I know that. With the David Bowie, like, uh, guy uh, in the middle. Um, the digital, digital monsters too <laughs> in the digital world. <laughs> yeah, see? I think that might have been, seen movie, funny enough, actually, for yeah. continuity, I think that might have actually been Levy. I think Digimon's theme may have actually been Levy. Oh, there you go. need to double check that, fact check it. Fact but check, like, yeah. I think Shuki Levy might have done the theme to Digimon as well mm. in the more in the complicated late nineties, early two thousands period. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think he did something terrible, like the Mummy's Alive intro or something. Mummy's Alive, yeah. I think maybe. Yeah, um, Mummy's Alive. So I, I, oh, I, 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 I can, <laughs> I can sing the praises of uh, of um, Pokemon. Uh, so why is Digimon better than Pokemon? Never implied it was better. <laughs> Better eye candy sometimes. Yeah, all, all, all you really them. have is Machoke and maybe maybe Embor or Tepig. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's true. That is true. You you know that's the not Pokemorph exactly community now. Oh, sorry? You're now annoying the Pokemorph community. <laughs> so many. <laughs> well. So many. Um, um, I'm talking about the quality though, as like as an animated TV show and and, a, and an attached video game franchise. Not, not well, of course, their, not yeah, Digimon of course started as like one of the things like Tamagotchis as well, and I had mm. one as well, yellow yellow one. And uh, who was that? Uh, so you don't even remember the name of your beloved? Yeah, Tamagotchi. I know. I had an Agamon. I had an Agamon. Is it a snake? No, Agamon is like uh, the main one in the first Digimon series. So, like the he looks like a little T Rex and he's yellow. Oh, I think I know him. Yeah, his little yellow T-Rex. And by the way, when you had Digimon versus Pokemon, why is it not Digimon versus Pokemon versus Monster Rancher? Monster Rancher? <laughs> I know, Monster Rancher... Versus Jade Cocoon. Monster Rancher is kind of cool, but like nobody watched Monster Rancher, I man. I did watch you Monster had, Was it Fox Kids? Was it was, it? You watched yeah. It on? Yeah, I didn't watch Monster Rancher. Uh, it's not cool. Tiger or Wolf. <laughs> oh, the Wolf Tiger. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it wasn't bad. It was like it had like a long running continuity, which which I kind of got into. But uh, as I don't know, as a franchise, both for for games and for cartoons, it's not great. Who wants a giant eyeball? Like you know, yeah. Uh, versus Monster Hunter versus Flint the Time Detective. <laughs> Nobody's seen. If you've seen Flint, the Time Detective, just leave your message here, and you'll get five dollars. <laughs> is Flint the Time Detective in any way like a video game? No, no, it's not based. Yeah. Anything. It was just. It was just a, an anime that anime that came over here that was sort of came out around the same time. I see. Flint the Time Detective. Yeah. Oh, and Metabots. Uh, Metabots. Metabots. I watched a couple of episodes. It was really boring. It couldn't be any worse than robotics. Metabots. Yeah, Digimon. Uh, I mean, I love. I quite like the movie, though it's so the Western translation for just decided the stamp like really dated music into it. The middle part of the Digimon movie is really interesting because it's like just Summer Wars. Yes, that's right. Oh, the first part. Summer I think Wars. Is the Summer Wars. Yeah. Uh, no, the second part. The first part's like the hey, this kid finds an Agumon and it grows up really big. And then there's a big fight with like other big. Digimon in the city. Mm. Okay. Uh, then maybe the second one. And then yeah, the second one the is just Summer Wars, yeah. except fortunately shorter than Summer Wars. Summer Wars oh, takes two and a half fucking hours to tell that really, uh, to tell a story which is expressed in the Digimon movie in roughly 28 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I assume the story is, is that uh, they were they were uh, OVAs that yes, got picked up by together Because like the third, the 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 sort of final act I suppose of the Digimon like movies are completely unrelated yeah it's the second season characters yeah. completely unrelated to the first using voiceover to, to bridge them yeah oh 
awkwardly am I dad mm. and also licensed music because like they did it for Pokemon Somebody's there was like he's gonna that's right there was a Christian there was a Christian uh, like Christian rock artist who was on the Pokemon soundtrack yeah, as well mm. brother my brother when the Pokemon are fighting each other oh. and it's like then the Pokemon are fighting each other and then Misty's like not like this not like this <laughs> no. it's like well, real- oh no the Pokemon are pitting each other what's happened the 20% of Pokemon episodes are people are, is Ash finding other people finding their Pokemon wrong I was like, they're just punks. That's what they do. Like that episode with the kid that like puts a sand true in like really X-Harness. restrictive, yeah, yeah restrictive yeah. X harness and things. And then Ash learns that it's okay because that's what he wants. That's <laughs> <laughs> what the sand true wants. Yeah, it's it is an abusive relationship, but it's okay if that's what Tom wants. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's been framed as like it's fine to do that to sand true if the sand true wants it. But um, yeah, uh, you know, you never you never hear like the Digimon seems to produce more art, but you never really hear people going on about Digimon. Like the Pokemon cartoon was much better, I think I have to say. Maybe I, I Pokemon I, I, was funnier. It was like really funny. Yeah, uh, it was which goofy. Helped. And I find uh, Digimon very well that serious but you know very emotional you know it is it is which of course like I suppose is meant to be the appeal it's mm. like you know the kids are like grappling with all their complex emotions of growing up and yes. their Digimon is a as an aspect of their soul uh, yeah I believe that you talked about this is like uh, again the um, totemistic uh, relationship between uh, the character and their Digimon which is a lot more special um, yeah it's much more special because Ash is just out to catch them all yeah it's like he's not got enough you always feel bad when you're watching because he's not got enough love he's got not got much love left for the Pokemon after Pikachu <laughs> yeah. it's like you know like you know there's that like where they're all huddled together huddling together over Ash but you know eventually like Squirtle and Charmander go back in the ball well that is true although the power team I totally believe that Ash cared about them but you know Krabby can fuck off apparently Krabby yeah it's poor Krabby he just gets like dumped on uh, Professor Oak and then doesn't show up again until the tournament in an ill advice strategy that Ash comes up with oh yes it just just so happened that he evolved mid-fight even though that can't happen yeah I know well you never find that kind of carry-on in Yu-Gi-Oh they'll very carefully explain <laughs> the rules to you over and over and over again I believe it is the rules the TV shows <laughs> what a great show um, I'm gonna discard two I'm gonna take an animal uh, because I've cast the spell card I get to take one monster out of my graveyard and put it into active play but wait <laughs> that's what I knew you do. do that that's what I knew you do so I have another card oh. that I will pull out that I, will stop that I just assume the entire game is hinged on who's played the best trap cards <laughs> it's like it just that's all every episode is oh but there's a trap card it is like a third of the gameplay mechanic. Yeah, well, I've never played it, man. Pokemon. It's car- fun. Uh, I, the card game. The card I'm game. I'm so fun. done with trading card games. That belongs back in the nineties. You know, dead and buried where it belongs. Well, it would be cool if it was like a kind of, um, you know, it'd be cool if Yu-Gi-Oh was like a, you know, like what a, a deck builder like they all are now. Like they all are these days. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is a deck builder no it's not a deck builder in the sense you have, but you have to keep buying loads of oh, expensive oh right 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 like a uh, Dominion yeah or just something. buy it out of a box basically Yu-Gi-Oh out of a box <sighs> Dominion I'm so sick of board games I know uh, <laughs> board games is kind of like everyone's going back to board games except you why they're boring <laughs> um, it's a lot of friends sitting around in silence that's why I don't like them I'd rather play role-playing games where people have to talk to each other rather than sit, keep their cards close to their chest, and uh, you're a tabletop loyalist. Yeah, pretty much. It's like you know the whole point of games. I feel is to facilitate social interactions between friends, and so I don't see how uh, 
how card like how board games contributed to that whenever you have to be, everything is clandestine and like everyone is just sitting around you know planning things so no I don't like it I don't like five hours of playing one game I didn't like Monopoly as a child and I don't like them now now that they have more rules attached and betrayal mechanics okay well what about if there was drink what like if I was drunk playing it? <laughs> yeah, no. Then no, it would damage your effectiveness at playing it. Yeah, any game of poker I've ever played, like poker is exactly the same thing, but like shorter, and you can end it whenever you want. Um, which is like the, the advantage of poker. Well, what always happens to me in poker is like you play pretty well for the first hour, and then have a couple of in. these. <laughs> making He's mo- making a drinking motion, <laughs> and and then like I start playing really recklessly, and then I go all in on a bad hand. Oh, you know, perv. Per twos, how could I lose? Um, <laughs> and then, like, and then just end up hanging out with the other losers and enjoying um, myself more. Well, yeah, like the, I go sober. Like I've gone sober when I've played poker games before, and then won. Yeah, <laughs> Tw- this has happened to me twice. Our friend Sammy was livid. Yeah, he was <clears throat> livid because, like, um, he's apparently king of games. Sammy, he likes to <laughs> likes to tie his abilities. He um. It was just like when people get drunk, they get ballsy, and that's like, you know, and then what happens when they get ballsy? There's loads of bluffs coming out on the table, and these bluffs come out really fast. I'm just mm. scooping up the bluffs, mm. man, because of all the drunk tells that there's bluffs. Yeah, I know, but it is just true. I mean, my, my enthusiasm for it doesn't last the entire game as well, especially I've been drinking, which is just like I'd rather hang out with my friends than sit and play a card game all night long. Not to say that I'm better than you or anything. Um, <laughs> so well, yeah, Digimon. Well, is, Cards Against Humanity can fuck off. Oh, that can that can climb into a big hole and bring everybody who's ever posted a picture of their Cards Against Humanity best play in along with it. Fun the first time, never again. Play it once, then burn your deck. That's the rule. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, I feel like it's kind of a boring because, like, I feel I can probably generate better humor in a <laughs> just with con- in conversation without having to rely on Cards Against Humanity to kind of create a framework for saying something that's socially unacceptable, unacceptable, and then just laugh about like how this marginal humor has been created. Mm. It's like it is entertaining in like in in some aspect of being able to do that, mm. but it's like the wears off really quickly, and then you you realize you've just kind of created this builder for like okay, so who's making the most like kind of. Um, the, this this kind of joke it's like it is I actually you know I like jokes that push you know at the edges sometimes mm. but when it's all jokes that push yeah. at the edges it sort of begins to lose any kind of appeal and then you realise it's like a cynical system yeah. for like just generating things that people are going to titter at and it's like it loses its kind of momentum I feel very quickly I, I always thought Cards Against Humanity was really boring for that because it's like you could probably just be more funny in a social situation just mm. like abandon the construct and just like <sighs> Charades, I Talk. feel, brings out better better jokes between Sh- people. Charades brings out great tension as well, which is always fun. Mm. Charades and Pictionary are fantastic kind of parlor games for yes. like getting people to yell. I, I we were playing um we were playing a Pictionary just before Christmas there, and because I was winning, I decided to introduce more challenge to my questions. So what was the uh, I had a clue which was uh, oh no wait I promised I wouldn't talk about this. Well, I may as well now. Um, the the clue was like handbag, so I drew a picture of the Moomin family, and then a big arrow to Moomin Mama, and then yeah. her most prized possession being her handbag, just to just to make it even more complicated. To <laughs> yeah, just games where people are yelling at each other. That's a good that's a good game. Yeah. Like Battlestar, like we 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 did go through phase of really enjoying the Battlestar board yeah, game because it's like became... just yelling at each other for like the tension and paranoia that it created. Yeah, it was good. Like whenever nobody knew what the cards were, but then every once people learned the strategies, it became procedural, and everyone just kind of. 
Yeah, like, man. Like, I don't know. These board games are long ass these days. Yeah. Give me some of that efficient German board game uh, fodder. You know, the one, <laughs> the ones where everyone plays together and has a good time. Yeah, 60 to 90 minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, in short, uh, Pokemon probably is better than Digimon. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. <laughs> we just settled that one pretty fast. Um... Anyway, uh, I think it's probably... We've been doing this now for... Garfield Kart's awaiting. <laughs> yes, uh, we've been doing this for an hour and a half, and I haven't played Garfield Kart yet, so uh might be time to wrap it up. Yeah, break the seal on that. Get racing! <laughs> I'm going to love it. Yeah, you're going to love it. I'm going to love it. You're going to really love it. going to enjoy it. Make you play it with me. So thanks, everybody. If you've listened all the way through, uh, well done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, like, so much for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. Leave all the comments you like. We'd love to hear them. We'd love to hear from you. Want to hear from you. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah, and we will do another podcast soon. Uh, by all means, send us in questions, topics, and stuff. And we'll, and we'll read them out. Yeah. And we'll read them out. We'll give you a shout-out. So please do that and let us know, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully be speaking to you again very soon. Okay. Yes, that sounds good. Great. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm. See you around. All right. Bye. Bye.